Hello and welcome to the Rigori Podcast, the show that was recently valued at £50 million by the club accountants at Juventus. I'm Giancarlo Rinaldi, the man who's been writing about Italian football since Roberto Baggio was an exciting youth prospect. I'm joined by my cousin, the man with more hot air than a Murano glassblower, Marco. Marco, Happy New Year to you. I give you a special build-up there. Thank you. How are, how are you, boy? Happy, happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to our listeners as well. Absolutely. Uh, who I'm sure have been anticipating the first episode of the year after our Christmas break. Uh, yeah, I've been ill, of course, as most people have in the UK with, with one illness or another. But... Uh, Enjoying the return of some Italian football to watch. Yeah, no, there's been some some good action. But before we get round to the to the action, I think there's been one thing that's dominated the Italian football chat over the over the last few days, and that was the the tragic death of Gianluca Vialli. I mean, a, a player that we both grew up with at, at different ages. I mean, I, in truth, I was already kind of grown up. But you know, um, it was a player that um, we watched kind of come through and become a, a great player for Italy, for Samp, for Juventus, and and for for Chelsea. I mean, really sad, sad news. I think it, it wasn't unexpected. They obviously, knew he was very seriously ill, and then he, you know, he'd, he'd taken the step back from the the Italy job or or whatever but you know nonetheless uh, so young to to lose such a such a champion I, I was looking back on just the I mean some of the the numbers of his career really you know 123 goals in 325 Serie A games 141 goals in 328 games for Samp 53 and 145 for Juve and the, the, the trophies as well that he won was absolutely phenomenal I mean I think my first memory of him it was um, actually we saw them in pre-season training and yeah. uh, up in Tuscany, then in at the Il Choco complex near where uh, the families from in in Bargain. We went up actually to see Graham Souness and Trevor Francis, but their um, friends said, you know, you want to keep an eye on. There's two Italian boys here that are really going to be something special and that was that was Gianluca Vialli and Roberto Mancini so you know they they weren't wrong and, and the thing that I mean the other thing that I remember my dad telling me was that as they were sort of taking the train obviously it was pre-season so not too serious but that Vialli and Mancini behind the back or that the guy would be getting them to do press-ups and everyone would carry on doing it but as soon as his back was turned they'd stop and lie on the ground and then as soon as he turned round they'd pick up and, and start again so there was a real sort of feel-good camaraderie about that Samp team and, and obviously then went on to win the Scudetto which you know you think about it now is absolutely incredible yeah. they just had the right mix of players and, and you know that, that tandem in attack was absolutely amazing I mean what, what are your first memories of Viali Marco? Oh, definitely that that Sampdoria team um, with you know Mancini, Lombardo, Boscov as as the manager and stuff. But yeah, he he was just a player. You know, it, I, I think I posted about it on Twitter. It does it hits you quite hard when it's a player that young. I know, for example, Pele died the week before, but to me, he was always a player that you saw in black and white films, really. Um, this is Viali was a man taken too soon, it seems to me, and especially more recently with his contribution in terms of the national team. We saw the documentary, we saw 
how he contributed to that back room and how he was a vital part of that win, I think, in, in the Euros. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a huge loss. And he, he by all accounts from everyone that you've heard of and spoken, you know, before even before his death, because obviously after the death everyone says you were great generally. But you know, he he's he was a lovely guy as well as a brilliant footballer. Um so yeah, it's a it's a huge loss for for Italian football, for football generally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean I can remember as well sort of that under twenty one side that he went, when he first came through and that was going to be I think they lost the European final to Spain in eighty six, but then Azelio Vicini obviously stepped up to the top job and he took that he took that team on and, and Viali was right at the at the heart of that. He I mean I think he was the top scorer in that tournament. He got you know, a lot of goals for the under twenty ones. Do you think did he deliver for the full national team the way that that was hoped? Do you think? Well, I suppose you know his his tournament was meant to be Italia ninety, I think, and that that was going to be a tournament where he could have really grasped the nettle, but obviously didn't. He, I think did he miss a penalty in the second game? Or he something? did. Yeah. Hit, hit the post and, with and, a Yeah, and then. After that, sort of got dropped out of the team until the semi-final. But um, I suppose, like Mancini as well, in a way, it just didn't quite ever do it for for the national team in the same way. But he was always a a great player for us, even then. And you know, I would love to have a player like him playing up front for Italy at the moment. Oh, you'd, you'd kill for it. I mean, I think to me that sort of the kind of. The, Sort of raking volley was a yeah. kind of the trademark Viali finish. You just thought he's going to whack this right into the bottom corner, and so often he so often he did. And if you know, if there were maybe some regrets about his national team career, you couldn't say the same about his club career. No. That you know, I was looking again. It he, he delivered everywhere because he took his hometown. I mean, imagine that his hometown club Cremonese, and he helped them to get promoted back to Serie A after. A, a lifetime in, in the doldrums. Then, as we've said, the golden age of Sampdoria, winning the Scudetto, coming within a whisker of winning the European Cup. I mean, to think of that now, to think of a club of that size getting anywhere near yeah. the Champions League is just, it's just, is just laughable. And then on to Juventus, and you know, some initial difficulties, but then you know, helped them to to the Champions League, which, you know, is a a rare thing at at Juventus. And he also, it gave me one of my favourite puns of all time (laughs) as well, actually, Marco, I was just going to crowbar this. I know that's valuable. I know that's great crowbar this in there. But on their way to the final, you might remember Juventus cuffed Rangers two legs. Mm -hmm. It It was like the slow death. Uh, and the quick death that Rangers chose in in one game, I think they tried to defend and got cuffed four one, and then in the next game they went for it and got beat four nil in about fifty minutes. But anyway, to get back to this dreadful pun that I'm leading up to was the fact that um, Ali McCoist was in the Rangers team and Viali was in the in the Juventus side. Which gave me a headline for Rigori, the old fanzine, as a tribute to You're a Man That Loves Your Cinema, the 1989 Rob Reiner classic, 
when Ali met Viali. That was the that was the that was the, the headline in the Rigori uh, fans. Doing this for that long, I've, yeah, I've been I've been crowbarring in these awful excruciating puns for for many a year. But then on from on from Juventus, you know, having delivered that there, then to Chelsea, and really sort of kick-started a golden age for Chelsea yeah. as well, you know, although it didn't, I mean, I think it was still an age maybe when it was the older um, Serie A players and Italians that went there, but nonetheless, a, a, a legend at Stamford Bridge as well. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think I've seen lots of people saying that, that, you know, as they grew up, Channel 4 Italian football was the thing they watched, they saw Viali, and Viali was one of these first big foreigners to come and join the, the the Premier League and then obviously since then it's got massive but he was in that first wave and him and Hula and, and people like that really um, transformed Chelsea from the the sort of middling team that they were at that point and, and obviously they've, they've become one of the bigger teams in, in England and then you know the the final chapter, you suppose, uh, from a football vision of the the man, was what you've alluded to this role with the national team, and you know a, a number of things have been I think they've been on everybody's timeline that if you're interested in football at all, but the speech that he gave to the players before the England game, yeah. and it was it was part I thought it was part Kipling and part. Tennyson, it was like you know, it was it was if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat the imposter just the same, but it was also sort of a better to have loved and lost than never to yeah. have loved at all. It was it was that element, of, you know, the man that takes risks, the man that you know risks failure. Really, that was that was the the gist of that speech, and that you know only become more emotional now and then the hug uh, at yeah. the end of that final between him and Mancini, when obviously. You know, it, it was known that he was he was seriously ill. He'd, uh, he'd said it himself. I'm not going to make old bones. I think, and you, know, and that just it, you couldn't watch these things without feeling moved. And then that was, you know, genuinely uh, uh, the other morning when the news came through. Even though you had your obviously your suspicions that this that it was likely to happen, it was still it was still a truly upsetting moment yeah. and a and a, a great great man. And, and you could only. You can't say any more than that, really, other than just uh, we will be rest in peace and and the, you know the, the best thoughts to his family and friends as well that you know will be mourning at this time. A great, great legend of Italian football. Yeah, he le- he leaves a legacy that is is you know right up there with the the greatest players in Italian football. You know he'll be remembered for many, many years. He will indeed, and, and poignant scenes today at um, the, the Samps game with with Napoli, where we'll move on now to the. The, the football that was actually played in Samp, you know, could like much like Chelsea, couldn't produce the tribute that Viali deserved and, and win the game. And Napoli got their Scudetto challenge kind of back on track. Obviously, there was a round of midweek games as well where Inter beat Napoli and ended that, that great run of results. And Napoli at least got themselves back on track today. And what could have been a tricky game at Sampdoria, but really... They they did it pretty easily. I don't know if you saw much of that game, Marco, but it, it certainly looked like not not entirely the old Napoli of pre break, but much more much more like it. I thought. Yeah, I think I, I only saw the highlights as well, but yeah, it, it it looked like they, you know, it was a fairly simple win, especially when Sam got a man sent off um, before half time. But 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Napoli, we will, we always wondered what this long break would do to their momentum. And um, certainly in that first game against Inter, they looked off it. I thought Inter looked like the better team, to be honest. And you do wonder if some of these players that we've been raving about have teams now had a chance to study and analyse and, and work out how to stop, like Quaradona uh, uh, and and Kim at the back hasn't looked as sh- sure-footed as, as he was beforehand. So I don't know. I mean, I, they've still got a, a reasonable lead at the top of the table, but it, I, I just get the sense that these other teams suddenly have a belief that, that they can catch them now. And one team that could theoretically catch them, for not theoretically, very, very realistically could catch them, are Juventus, who've put together a string of now eight in, eight in a row mm-hmm. and, and are right breathing down their necks. But while Napoli have been great entertainers um, through this, I don't think we could say the same about Juventus. They've not exactly been setting the setting the heather alight, but the defence is has been rock solid two goals i think conceded in the last in the last 10 and uh, none and none in these last these last few so i mean are you a fan of what allegri's done to get juventus back to winning ways marco well i posted on twitter last night it was nil nil at the time but i said if juve win anything this season it'll set italian football back uh, decades which I know won't win me any any fans or any listeners who are UV fans, but um, look, I, I don't. In in truth, I'm not as anti UV as as perhaps you are. But the way that this UV team play in particular, and I know they've had injuries, and I know it's good to see Kiesa Kiesa set up a good goal last night. You know, and it's great from an Italian point of view to see that. But they are so old school in their approach that it's I, I, I genuinely think it would be a bad thing if they won something this season playing that way because what we want to see is is that more sort of progressive football that Napoli are playing winning trophies now if you're a Juve fan you don't care about that at all you care about winning and you care and if you win 1-0 for the rest of the season and you win the Scudetto then you're you're happy and in fact probably gives you something to crow about but personally as someone that, you know, you, uh, there's limited time nowadays for me to watch football and I would never voluntarily sit down and watch Juve under Allegri, I have to say. I, I, I find it quite excruciating at times. I mean, it's almost like a cure for insomnia. Yeah. And, and and that's not, like, I don't mind even, you know, if, you're, if that's the tools at your disposal to win a game, fair enough. Mm. And, you know, we all use... What we've got, and clearly this suits the players he's got just now. What I find hard is that a team like Juventus playing that way against Udinese yeah, at yeah, home, yeah. against these lower lights of Serie A, mm-hmm. still adopting this approach of kind of, right, you show us what you've got. We know we'll catch you on the break eventually and we'll win 1 0 in the 87th minute. It, it is a throwback to the 1970s or maybe even maybe even before but that that's really at the crux of it. I don't know I've never supported a team that has won a lot of trophies so maybe you know maybe you're happy if you're a Juventino and you're saying well we're winning games and I don't care how it's done but 
for those of us that fall other to it, it seems a bit of a waste of, you know, they've spent a lot of money on players, regardless of the number of injuries they've got. Yeah. I personally would think that, you know, La Vecchia Signora, the, one of the greatest, the most successful team in the history of Italian football domestically, could produce a bit more in terms of entertainment, um, especially when they're playing these smaller sides. But the games I've seen, even against the smaller sides, they're adopting this sort of rope-a-dope tactic, which is yeah, it's clearly working for them. Interesting now, I guess, we've got the big showdown, of course, on Friday night when they will play Napoli. Yeah. We'll see, we'll have, I mean, not to cast it, too much is good versus evil, but you know we will have the sort of the entertainers versus the you know the ultimate doer grinders of of Italian football, and it, it, it's hard. For, I would not pretend to be a neutral, but even for you know a neutral, a genuine neutral, it would be hard to root for anyone other than Napoli to to win that game. I think. Yeah, I mean, I I think so. I mean, I know you know if you support Juve. Like I say, you probably don't care, and you you're used to play people, you know, uh, talking your team down and stuff. And it is it's a valid way of playing football. It's a valid way of winning football. But I just I, I like I say personally, from my own point of view, when I have a limited amount of time to watch football, I find it so dull that I would never watch it. And they've got players that I am excited by. They've got Chiesa. They've got Di Maria. Uh, you know, the, the, these are these are players that should be playing in a team that is full forward, passing, crossing, all of this sort of stuff, and they just don't do it enough. Now, like you say, they're winning, so it doesn't matter, and it will be interesting to see what happens against Napoli, especially Napoli, who I think, you know, they, they won today, like I say, but you do wonder, have... Have they been found out? And you would think Juve of all teams, Allegri and everyone, will have studied them closely. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in that game. It definitely, it definitely will. And it, just just to say that you know, it's this is not like a, a I'm not averse to an anti-Juve rant. It's not it's not entirely because Juve have entertained and and won in yeah, the past. Exactly. It's not like you know, it's not like uh, you know. There's many things. I would accuse you of, but uh, sort of failure to failure to entertain is not one of them. And you know, does it matter? I suppose you you know you pay your money and you take your choices. I wouldn't rush to buy a ticket to watch a UV home game just now. I mean, that that insipid club song that they've got apart from anything else would put me off at the start. But the the football that they're producing is just. So terrible, and you know it's 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 not it's a results driven business, I suppose. But you know there's still a, some kind of obligation to entertain. They have in the past; they've got the players to do so. It would be nice, as I say, if they did. But yeah, but, exciting uh, and, for and, the but, showdown. I go, I go back to the point that I made before, which is I genuinely think it would be a bad thing for this UV team playing this way to win something because it would only encourage other teams to do the same. And I don't think, you know, it, they were found out massively in Europe try to play like this um, and football has moved on from this outside Italy um, and I think if other teams say oh look Juve have won the Scudetto playing this way we should go and do, adopt that way of playing I think it would be a bad thing for, for Serie A as a whole because I don't think it would work outside of the league I think you're right I think it'd be interesting to see if he carries on playing in this negative way when he's got 
all the players yeah, at his disposal as well. Because yeah. you know, I think I think that you know they, they probably that's an alibi just now. I guess that you know we don't have it, so we're playing this way. Um, as I say, I still think they should have enough to take on the lesser lights and and go for it a bit more. But um, you know, so but they're right in the hunt, and and you know we'll see how they. Proof of the pudding on on Friday night. The, the the other team that was up there and could have sneaked past them. We were recording on Sunday night. Um, was was Milan, but they incredibly blew a two goal lead against a very lacklustre Roma side until the the last ten minutes. I mean, did you watch that game, Marco? And if so, what were your what were your hot takes from yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, uh, like basically what you you've summed it up well there. Milan looked like they were cruising to a victory and really should have wrapped it up and there shouldn't have been any question of Roma coming back into it they just Roma are another team that play uh, you know Mourinho's the manager but you know they've got they've got these exciting players up front but um, and in midfield even but they don't play anything of a sort of exciting attacking football or not enough for me now what happened there was that they got a goal off a set piece and then Milan panicked as you've seen many times do before and, and they got the equaliser which fair play to them but um, you know I think I think Roma for the amount of for the players that they've got they should be doing better in terms of team performance and even in terms of results as well I, I just think they should have played like they played for the last 10 minutes yeah, they should have played like that from the start yeah, yeah. but instead I mean I know it's, there's two teams on the pitch obviously one team but it did seem, I thought actually Don BT Sport, Don Hutchison made quite a good spot. He said, it's easy to start playing when you're 2-0 down. It was like at 1-0, they were still waiting, we're hanging on in this. Yeah. You know, we, we could sneak a goal, we could get a draw. And it was only at 2-0 that the shackles came off. They, they made some good changes that, that did affect the game. As you say, it was a set piece that got them back into it. And, you know, from an Italian point of view, Good that Pellegrini is a man that can mm. deliver a hell of a a hell of a set piece. But why wait? Why yeah. wait? I mean, you know, why wait until then? Because I genuinely think if they'd been a bit more enterprising, maybe they could have won that game. Because yeah. Milan didn't. I mean, Milan were thoroughly deserving of what looked like a comfortable victory until you see the the sort of the wobbles set in. But but why not? Why not go for it from but. I think we know because we know who's on the bench, yeah, and that's exactly. I suppose it, that explains it. That explains it all. And I suppose we all, you know, we all have our own thoughts on football. As I say, I'd like to see a team like that, the same as Juventus, with the quality it's got, just try to be a bit more, try to be a bit more entertaining. But Marco, we've got all this way. We've never mentioned our own teams. This is know, this must be a first for the <laughs> for the Rigori podcast. Don't worry, listeners. That'll not be that'll not be the sort of theme for the rest of the the rest of the year. Just a quick quick mention for obviously Serie B's been out of commission, although there have been some games in our absence. In Serie A Fiorentina did a Fiorentina in their first game back and managed to throw away a lead against Monza and and really in a game that the game that they dominated shots wise anyway, um came away with just the one point. But then at the weekend, it was the the festival of handball penalties yes. with with Sassuolo, and 
really, these, I, I don't know, we probably don't have time to get into it too much, but the number of penalties now being given for someone battering the ball off an arm in the penalty box is just phenomenal. We had another one for, for Napoli as well yeah. today, and it just seems, you know, so I suppose they evened up over the over the game. I mean, Fiorentina's was probably marginally the more ludicrous, I think, um, but just these, these hits, but... It was it was one nil to Fiorentina Saponara scoring a nice goal and I think it was nice he dedicated it to to Davide Astori as it, the the game fell on on his his birthday um, so you know it was a good three points an important three points for Fiorentina but then these two as I say two penalties for battering the ball off someone's arm um, but you know I, to me I would have given neither of them the game might have finished one 0 I think that would have been that would have been fair enough and uh, some exciting transfer news from Venice I believe uh, well yeah we've signed uh, Yayalo of Udinese we, and we needed a midfielder. Um, I, I, I know the name, but I can't say that I can really remember what he plays like <laughs> in any great detail. But um, he, you know, we could do with someone that that um, that can play a pass in midfield. So hopefully he is that that missing piece. I think we're still in the market for a, a striker to play up alongside Poyan Palo. Um, but you know, it's a it's a decent signing. It's a signing that encourages me because it's not someone from the Icelandic second division who has some good stats. Um, so it's someone that knows Italian football. Uh, we're still right in the the playoff, uh, play out, sorry, uh, battle at the moment in Serie B. Uh, so it's really important that that once it kicks off again that we, c- we can start off on a, on a decent foot. So hopefully he'll help us do that. And a, quite a tough game coming yeah. up to kick off this see is it um, Genoa is it Giladino's yeah. Genoa who now have moved into third place in mm-hmm. Serie B so going to be a going to be a tough test but more about that when we're back in a week's Indeed. in a week's time so we'll get we'll get right we'll be back to the usual miserable Fiorentina and Venezia defeat chat um, and throughout the course of the throughout the course of the year. But um, thanks again to everyone for joining us. And as you see, as we always say, if you liked what you've heard, please share it. Let people know about it because we always like more listeners. Give us feedback on Twitter as well because we like to we like to hear that. But we'll be back in a unless week's you're time. a Juventino. Oh yes, I yes <laughs> apologies. Yes, I yes don't do that. We don't want to hear. From, we don't want to hear from Juventini because we've said plenty to we've said plenty to annoy them this week. But Juventini can get in touch to no, crow, absolutely. Tell to, us, crow, to crow tell after us where their, we're wrong. to crow that. after their glorious victory, yeah. their glorious one 0 eighty ninth minute victory against Napoli yeah. on Friday night. We'll we'll, uh, we'll discuss that at greater length next week. But for now, thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you next week. See you then.